0: Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Kelly Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation.
1: Time for Driven Radio Show. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly dose of automotive bacchanalia. I am your host, Brett Hatfield, here with our intrepid engineer and co-host, Catfish Groves. Yo! And Mr. Corey Pratt of Craving Cars on YouTube. Uh, That's me, yes, yes, yes. And we are coming to you once again this week from the magnificent interwebs. Because nobody's allowed to talk to anybody in person anymore. Now, uh, everybody put your adult beverage down and tell me, what have you been doing with cars this week? Uh, I, I had this
2: uh, lovely idea to have a car show, even oh. though we're not supposed to have them, and since everybody else is canceling their show.
1: You friggin' And how any. many cars
2: did you manage together uh, for your You know show? what? We actually we actually got a little over 100 cars that showed up. Wow. That was very, very cool. Any, yeah. Any, yeah, any really awesome. nice we had, we had We had some old domestics and uh, uh, some uh, classic imports and some exotic cars, and and, uh, you managed to get a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's right. And it, was, it was actually the very first uh, show of its kind for Craven Cars. It was the N.W. Pop-Up Car Meet. H.W. I, I said N.W. I apologize. H.W. If you guys understand what H.W. stands for, it's Hot, hot. Wheels. So <laughs> you like to see a very interesting uh, one-of-a-kind show. Still a over healthy turnout cars. for a guy
1: in his 40s to come up with that many little cars. There's a lot of
2: Detroit <laughs> aluminum. Yeah. <laughs> In its own to parking get your, lot
1: and everything. Had to nice. get yourself some Lego buildings. And
2: you know if it could have went further, I would I would have looked for some like a uh, uh, cityscape like posters to kind of put in the background to make it look like you know some of the background as opposed to just the now, inside of the garage.
1: In, keep in mind you're taking crap from a guy who's got a dobby with one sock sitting over his left shoulder. Yeah, if you were so, able to see
0: this on Zoom, with a Lamborghini
1: Mira. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got a little Lamborghini in his lap. God love Dobby. (laughs) And you guys and and he, Master did give him a sock. He's free to do whatever the hell he wants.
2: (laughs) Craving cars here and go check out the NW pop up. Nice.
1: I I watched that and it was cool. And uh, your Hot Wheels are in a lot better shape than mine. I'm a little envious. You look like you don't play with yours. Uh, Some of those just got opened from the package.
2: You'
0: make it best when
1: your car show buddy.
0: I got a twelve pack of toilet paper and eighty two hot wheels. I'm good to go. <laughs> Welcome to Covid nineteen. <laughs> I also be distancing at its you. best.
1: How about you, Mr. Mark? What'd you do in the car world?
0: Well, you know, I'm always out shopping, shopping, and more shopping. I spend more time on mm-hmm. Facebook uh marketplace than I do in Mark's home place. But uh, I did find uh, three good leads. We talked about one of them in the other show, um, and I've I've chatted with uh, the people who own all three of these.
1: Well, you know, no, via Facebook for for those who haven't heard the other show yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm, filling it, in. You were I'm at. filling it in. I'm filling
0: it in. The the three top contenders right now for my tiny tiny pile of pocket change are a, a 1955 Plymouth. Uh, it's a Savoy. Savoy. It's a uh, Power Flight but uh, six flathead six with around 50,000 miles on it. it's in Western Kansas. Of course it's, you know, six hours away. And then I found, as I was looking around and kind of expanded my search area, I, I went to Columbia, Missouri did end up finding a 1961 Chrysler, uh, Newport. That is, the body is beautiful. Interior, beautiful. Needs a trunk pan. It's been cared for. And uh, it's within shooting distance of my price range. But, uh,
1: yeah, but it's not within shooting distance of you.
0: No, it's in freaking Indiana. And I'm like, <laughs> God, damn it.
1: Why?
3: <laughs> Why?
0: <laughs> I can't even lob a howitzer into it. I just, it's all wrong. And then, so I found that. And then there is a 1964, another 1964 Mercury Monterey breezeway. It, it might, it might be in Texas. <laughs> But, uh, uh-huh.
1: yeah, uh, it's, it's actually close to where a buddy of mine lives. I can have somebody go look at it. I think we, we need to just find you a four door Chevelle <laughs> with a small block. <laughs> in it. Something easy. Yeah. You can call it a crew cab Chevelle.
3: <laughs>
2: and if you really got to have a Chrysler, just put a Chrysler badge on it. Who cares?
0: Yeah, 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 three crowns and I'm good. So, anyways,
2: <laughs> so that was,
0: that was my deal. And thanks for letting me go on for far too long. Because yeah, it was uh, it was both exhilarating I, and disappointing to find I these gorgeous cars that are too far.
1: Find something, oh, dude. I'm, I'm bleeding at the comms about it. with you. <laughs> like last week after the show, you and I are both drinking a beer and looking at every crappy price. Oh yeah, yeah. a 600 mile range. It was, uh,
0: that was talk about a numb nut search of wonder.
1: <laughs> I mean, oh it, my god, it was wonderful. And I was, I was kind of enjoying it, but the whole time I'm going, "Oh man, I just see scarred knuckles and disappointment in this future." <laughs> well, you know,
0: hey, you got to dream.
1: You got to yeah, dream, bro. Well, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and, as Clarkson would say, on that disappointment. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, this week we've got news about a cheaper Porsche can on the horizon, vintage Porsche posters being auctioned by both RM Sotheby's and Meekum, and a new bad boy SUV from Lister. Mm. Uh, our special guest this week is John Ficarra. He's a former marketer, writer, and historian for Canepa. I, I tell you what, if you start looking at John's resume he looks like he's done every cool car guy job in the world. <laughs> he, uh, he he owned uh, creative film cars in New York. He owned a company where he would lease cars to people who were making movies and videos and doing photo shoots. Um, he's the guy who formed the 2904 race, which is the crap box version of the Cannonball Run. 2904 miles long. $2,904 for your car.
0: Oh my god, that's fun.
1: Yeah, right up like your alley that. dude, you've even got the budget for that. <laughs> yeah, I can do uh, that. So I like I'm going to be here <laughs> to talk to us about running that film car company, overnighting a movie, cross country, trying to make non-car people understand reality, and racing those crap box cars across the country and so many other cool things. we got a lot of news to cover this week, so let's get to it. Uh, there is news, possibly, of a cheaper rear drive only Taycan in the uh, in the coming. Uh, they're saying uh, Porsche. Uh, Porsche is saying that they may be producing a cheaper version of the Taycan because the regular version they have now is damn expensive. It's one hundred and four thousand dollars almost Oof. right out of the box. That's so talking, though, right. Yeah, that's like starting you can, price. You can you can add more. I mean, with knowing Porsche, they've got a lot of options. I imagine. Oh yeah, they got three variants. They've got the 4S, they've got the Turbo, and they have the Turbo S. Now, let's address the elephant in the room. Turbo's a stupid name for an electric car.
2: <laughs> well, <Period. laughs> I, but
1: stupid I get what you are trying to say too, with it, though. A movie. It,
2: it's a trim level. It's it's. Well, I mean, you got to think well, about it now. The, just, the the 911 well, Turbo now is it used to be because that was the only one that was turboed. Now all of them have a turbo on, but they're not all it's called turbos. It's dumb.
1: It's just dumb, and they are all turbos. But an electric car is not a turbo. Why don't you just call it the Taycan Faster and the Taycan Fastest?
2: There you. Or and and <laughs> Longer, the beat longest? all. Taycan, Taycan, the beat all. There you go. Yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Taycan Super Double Plus. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they could
2: have did that. They could have did like GTS, or they could. have How about yeah. some yeah. Taycan, and you can't.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Taycan. <laughs> Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. I love it. Okay. Okay. A- anyway, uh, Porsche's R&D boss. A guy named Michael Steiner confirmed there will be more affordable versions of the company's all electric sedan, and they're in the pipeline. Uh, he says entry-level models will be coming. There will be a rear wheel drive model with a smaller battery to make it more accessible price wise, especially for markets that can't afford the four wheel drive. Um, all of the, uh, Titans now come with dual motors and the two turbo. I'm saying oh, with... Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying with the big air quotes, which is something I hate. Uh <laughs> home with a 93.4 kilowatt batteries is a standard. The car magazine, uh, a British publication, predicts it'll be similar to the 911 range. Well, that ain't cheap. Okay. Uh, well. the, the front motor op- and will be an option they'll just have the rear motor smaller battery and they think the base price will be under a hundred grand uh not cheap but cheaper
0: and if you can't even (laughs) afford that if you want a porsche on a real budget (laughs) rm sotheby has announced that they've got a new online only online only classic and rare porsche posters auction so just like uh, the supermodels that we, uh, when we were kids, that we put on our wall mm-hmm. because uh, I was never going to walk in my door and say hello. Uh, this auction will be held entirely on Roth RM Sotheby's online auction platform. Each lot will be auctioned without reserve, so you might be able to get in some pretty cool deals on posters of your cool Porsches. Uh, they say the posters have a focus on Porsche's golden era of the 356, uh, the Spider, as well as the 917. Uh, or nine one seven. Um, there's also a lot of posters <laughs> from <laughs> posters from racing competitions, like the German language version of the twenty fourth uh nineteen fifty two to nineteen seven class winner poster, etc. Now this happens on Monday. Uh, this show will will be out uh, this weekendish, and uh, then on Monday, April twenty seventh, one p.m. Eastern. Uh, start bidding on your cool posters for Porsches, and they will be closing in two minute increments. You got two minutes to show your love. Dos minutos to get your Porsche. So there you go. At least at least you can afford that. True, um, bro.
2: What do you what do you what do you think? You know, you being the auction kind of guy, what do you think
1: posters like this would go? For? I was looking around at some of the stuff um, as I was writing this up. Uh, I got a uh, an email from Nekum saying they're also auctioning off a bunch of uh, Porsche factory posters. And I started looking at some of the stuff that Meekum has going already. And they're going for 800 to a thousand dollars. Some of the stuff is really rare, tough to lay your hands on. I don't think this is a bunch of stuff that was just printed up. These are all old, original tough to lay your hands on posters. And, you know, there are only a few among us who can afford stuff like an original 356 or a 356 spider, or a 917. So, you know, a poster makes a heck of a lot Or a 917. It, yeah. No, well, <laughs> whatever you like, mister. It's a
2: 917.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> it's, I'm just kidding. It's a, it's a racing Porsche none of us can afford. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Not even if we combined all our money. No.
0: 917. Still that makes it a 26. <laughs> uh,
1: it, anyway. They're they're bringing some real money, but even at that, you know, eight hundred bucks on your wall is a ton cheaper than eight hundred thousand in your garage. Well, if you think
0: about it, it's still a yeah. lot cheaper than what was that book we talked about? What was it last year by Lamborghini? Oh, the, the Ferrari book. Oh, Ferrari, the Ferrari book. The,
1: the, yeah. the spoke Ferrari book that was thirty grand or whatever. It was.
0: Yeah, and sixty if you got it with the little engine stand. Uh-huh. <laughs> like well, oh my well,
1: god oh. what <laughs> so
2: well, the a book sit on the engine stand is that right yeah and yeah. it's and it's a ferrari looking <laughs> engine and it's
1: uh, it's, and it's it's so very at collectible po- at some point don't you say hey listen i just want to read it
0: <laughs> I wouldn't crack that spine to save my soul at that price Yeah, can sure I go $35 the for the Kindle and... version <laughs> yeah you gotta look like the <laughs> librarian in the back of the library with the first bible
1: oh here's my Ferrari book
2: 30000 for the real book and 3500 for the Kindle version
0: there you go, go. let <laughs> a deal at twice well, the price
2: so Motor Trend uh, is, is talking about this Jaguar based Lister Stealth that claims to be the fastest SUV in the world
0: uh, How about that with the uh, I don't know, buddy. I'd talk to a you fellow about a Trackhawk now. Now, no, no. we're going to have to I, have I us a little this, sit down.
2: Right off the bat, I will say this. A lot of people talk about being the fastest. They either say the 0 to 60 means they're the fastest, a quarter mile means they're the fastest, or the top speed means they're the fastest. Good Which one is it? Zero to 60 I mean? is
1: quick. Quarter mile is quick. Top end is fast.
2: Yeah, that's what. That's kind of what I'm, okay, we're on the right page there. Right. Okay, good deal. Okay, British sports car manufacturer Lister is known for, well, Basically, quite a few Jags that are, that are quite yeah, uh, hopped up. This breathing, system, yeah. breathing
1: on Jaguars and making them evil. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
2: Uh, their latest creation of the Lister Stealth, it's based on the Jaguar F-Pace SVR with a significant power upgrade. And just so uh, we all know about what the SVR's range at, the SVR, SVR is about an $80,000 Jag. It's got a 5-liter supercharged V8 with 550 horsepower. Yeah, okay? which now, that's not that's not bad to start with. That's not that's not bad because even $80,000, that puts it far below a lot of its competitors for that kind of power. I don't mean yeah. just an SUV in general, but for over 500. But this one, the Lister supercharged V8 produces 675 horsepower. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if I'm not mistaken, probably puts it the most that I have seen in a SUV, period, that you can buy. Well, besides one. Uh, Lister <laughs> estimates... <laughs> A run from zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds. Jesus. Uh, the Lister SUV uh, boasts basically a top speed excess of 200 miles per hour. and I don't know wow. a single SUV that can do that. Do you?
1: I don't. Uh, I, know, I don't know a lot of cars that can do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So uh, basically it puts it, that's what they're calling it, to make it the fastest SUV in the world. Uh, faster than a Bentley uh, Bentega Speed. Which is about 190 uh, Same with the Lamborghini Urus, about up there with about 190 as well. Uh, the Lister Stealth is fitted with an extra carbon fiber style bits and a bespoke interior of uh, Napa leather, which I'm assuming that's very nice leather. They say only about 250 are going to make the way to customers. Prices starting roughly at $150,000. Oh, bargain basement. Let's buy three. Absolutely. So they're taking a 80,000 SUV, bumping it up to about $150,000. Fifty, so they're almost doubling the price. But how about this? That still puts it under six other competitive SUVs of that kind of caliber of power.
0: Good lord, it's still less than those. Gee, many yeah. Christmas. There's
2: still, there's still, there's six other ones. Like the there's a Range Rover that's more expensive. The Rolls Royce Cull- uh, Cullinan, uh, of course, that's luxury to its max. There, um, there's a there's a Mercedes that's more expensive. The Bentley. That we talked about the the Lamborghini Urus that we talked about. So yeah, you know a handful of that. Um, so yeah, so if the Lister really is going to be this, the world's fastest SUV, mean perhaps that one hundred fifty thousand dollars price tag, when you compare to the competitors out there with that kind of speed, perhaps it's worth it. Yeah? The car world just looks
1: like fantasy land these days, doesn't it? Uh-huh.
2: I'll be honest; I only see, I only know of one SUV that I would say I don't know if I'd pay that because we all know what one we're talking about here. We're talking about the Trackhawk.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's either pronounced Trackhawk or Track. Anyway. Our special guest this week is John a former marketer, uh, writer, and historian for Canapa. He's been a stunt driver, uh, owner of Creative Film Cars in New York, and creator of the 2904, and owner of Ficara Classics and Drive-A-Go-Go. John will be here to talk to us about running a film car rental company, overnighting a car coast-to-coast, uh, trying to make non-car people understand reality, and racing crap box cars uh Across country. All this and much more is coming up on Driven Radio.
0: As part of Driven Radio Show, it's so fun that we get to go out and do things together. And one of my favorite places in the Kansas City Metro is the Kansas City Automotive Museum. I love, oh, I love some cars area. and coffee. Oh, cars and coffee is awesome. Not just because you Incredibly. get to talk to a bunch of people. I had a dude that was telling me about a uh, Ford Model T's, and he had one sitting there with this little motor, and the guy was. He was so fun to talk to. I didn't know him from, you know, Adams off Fox. And yet we had this wonderful chat about the history of the car because he was so into it. And it was all original. I'm, and I'm listening to its little heartbeat
1: run. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. They host cars and coffee a couple times a month. And then cars and coffee and donuts and occasionally cars and coffee and pancakes. Mm, pancakes uh, and donuts. And cars. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I'm missing our our, uh, Saturday morning car get-togethers, and I'm certainly missing being able to walk through the museum and see the new stuff they've got and the new exhibits.
0: You know, if you want to take a quick peek into it, uh, Corey, don't you have some insights on Craving Cars on YouTube?
2: Man, I I tell you what, the Kansas City Automotive Museum is such a fun place. It's always a good time there. Uh, especially, you're, you're right, Brett. The cars and coffee miss it so much. I've probably spent more time in that one place than any other place in Kansas City having to do with automobiles. And it, it's, it's so good that I can, it's hard to not start rolling the camera when i'm there so i'm there so often and i put so much content out for them uh, and videos out on craving cars that uh, if you're jonesing to see some some automotive museum i mean definitely go back to craving cars on youtube and take a look at some of our past videos so no matter of fact we'll put a playlist together to make it easy for you to find kansas city automotive museum we love you
0: we miss you and we're looking forward to seeing you again
1: Welcome back to Driven Radio. We have wonderful, a wonderful guest with us this weekend. Uh, We've got John Ficarra. John is an automotive historian, marketer, and walking automotive encyclopedia. Uh, He bought his first car when he was 14 years old. Restored cars in his garage to help put himself through college. He owned a picture car company called Creative Film Cars in New York City. Ran an illegal cross-country cannonball event called the 2904 for a decade. He was the marketing director and in-house historian for Bruce Canepa at his facility in Scotts Valley, California. He wrote and researched all 72 cars for Porsche's historic tent at the Rensport Reunion 4. He's been building and racing kind of cheaty cars for the 24 hours of uh, <laughs> Le Mans, lemons, uh, against all good sense. And he's got a strange fascination with six-wheeled cars. Uh, He now owns Fakara Classics, a company that researches markets collector and road race cars, as well as Drive-A-Go-Go, an automotive adventure company for the ill-advised. He's a regular (laughs) guest on VinWiki Car Stories, the YouTube channel uh, that Ed Bolian has, uh, our friend who's on here probably more than he cares to admit. And some of John's stories have nearly a million views. He's an accomplished writer, researcher, He's worked on magazines including uh, 000, Vintage Race Car, Classic Porsche, Speed Sport, and also the Lufka Cult website. John, welcome to Driven Radio. Thanks for having me. This is gonna be awesome. Uh, hey, we're thrilled to have you. You've done a little bit of everything in the car world. Your resume looks like a car guy's dream. <laughs> uh, when did you first figure
4: out you were a car guy? Um. According to my dad, that was when I was about six and he was changing the oil in the car. I like, would watch him change the oil in the car all the time. And one day I was helping him and then he didn't see me for a while. And he's all, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm helping. And he sees my little feet walking back and forth, back and forth. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm going to go, I'm helping. And he's like, what are you helping with? He comes out. I stuck a funnel in the gas tank, and I was <gasps> filling it with paint. <laughs> oh my because, god. So oh, I filled it as a. You I, were I, I, not. I was like two gallons of pay- house paint right into the gas tank. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you got your new so- dad, what did he do with the cars? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Holy yes. oh wow!
4: What kind of car was it, <laughs> dude?
0: Let's- what kind of car was it? I
4: gotta know. That was a 76 Chevy Caprice classic. And it was probably like at that point, like a year old or something. Oh, like oh my so, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Uh-huh. Well, the- Oh geez. That's <laughs> your, your old man had to be standing there going, Oh, you can't kill little kids. <laughs> so you got your first car when you were 14. What was yeah. it?
4: It was a Volkswagen bug and, I, I had in my mind that you could get your permit in California when you're 15 and a half, mm-hmm. and oh. if I bought a really crappy car, I could get it all super cool by the time I had a license. So, uh, a friend of mine had one, he sold me for 500 bucks, and it was like this hideous toad that sat in my parents' driveway <laughs> for about a year, covered in a tarp. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the movie. Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, uh, Better off dead. Yes. Uh, and he's got the RSS Camaro that sits in the front yard covered in a yeah. tarp. And it was, that was my version of that. It was like, <laughs> it just sat out there and I did, I spent a year. I taught my dad and I kind of tore it apart and I, that's when I started learning how to work on engines and how to blow up engines and then rebuild the engine and then. Uh, but yeah, that was my first car. So, but by the time I had my license, I had a fully
1: operational automobile. I'm betting you never put paint in that one. No, I'm I didn't. Put pay pay that one. Put that one. <laughs> I didn't. Did, Sherwin Williams.
4: <laughs> I did. I did blow that one up twice, though. I, one, like I learned very quickly, that when the generator light comes on, that means there's no fan turning. And oh. the car's overheating, so I melted the oh. engine once. And the Ooh. second time was we took the distributor out, and I don't even know Ooh. why. But the distributor's got a tiny little screw in it. It's like this ridiculously tiny screw. That fell into where the distributor went. And I put the distributor back in, didn't lock up correctly, and I blew the motor that way. Oh, so I got no. Really so we got, we got Volkswagen bug engines. I got to about 45 minutes to pull one of those things out. wow and you could do it by hand
0: right you could just pick the thing up
1: yourself and tote it out that was the whole engine oh yeah nice i love i love it so (laughs) uh, leaping forward a little bit uh how did you come to work for bruce canapa and what was it like working for him
4: i believe it or not i uh i got that job on craigslist (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, it was
3: I, better I, than I the
4: other not. one next to it <laughs> it's like one of, dance, auto, so. one of the most premier auto facilities in the world and i got i'm like i was cruising craigslist actually my my wife found it we had we had um my son and i decided to take a year off to kind of be at home dad and finally she's all like well you need a job you need to get the hell out of here i <laughs> <That'd be> crazy <laughs> right. so she saw the ad for a marketing director for, uh, for a car company. It didn't even say Canapa, And, uh, I sent my resume in and 15 minutes later, Bruce calls. He's like, this is Bruce Canapa," And I'm like, what? Well, okay, sure. <laughs> and he's like, I want you to come down here and, and uh, tomorrow and, uh, we're going to talk. I'm like, great. And he, I went down and believe it or not, I would never been to the facility before. I, uh, he took me for a tour. We come back after about a, walking me around for about an hour because the place is like 70,000 square feet. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And uh, he came back. He's all like, oh, I want you to start tomorrow. I'm like, what? Um, sure. No. Uh, Monday. Okay, fine. And that was it. That was I spent uh, a little over six years there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what was the most memorable experience working there? Oh, man, there's so many. He, the cars that came in there were all tremendous, amazing, you know, mind-blowing. Like, one of those cars alone over those that time period would have been enough for most car guys. But every day walking in and seeing, you know, one time he had 12 five nines under the roof.
1: Um, he had three 917s. Oh, Backup. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what? What? He had a dozen nine five nines all in one place.
4: Yeah, so he he was the big nine five nine importer when they finally were allowed into the country in wow. nineteen ninety eight. So of the fifty or sixty that are in the United States, the majority of them he brought in and worked on. So they come back to his shop from time to time to get work because nobody else knows how to work on the damn things. And at one point, <laughs> it was just this you know perfect storm, and there were twelve of them. <laughs> You know, a few of them for sale and a few customer cars, and now he's hot-rodding them, and they have 800 horsepower. It's nuts. One fun part was that – one little story I like to tell because it gives you a real idea what the 1% is Um, because we would have, you know, these car tours come in from Monterey during Monterey Week uh, from the Quail and different places, and this guy – This one tour came in and the guy was driving a 58, I think, with the 89 Ferrari Testarossa, the 250 TRs race car on the road. He's got a license plate on it somehow because, you know, money (laughs) and uh, it breaks down. He's like, he has no charge. So it breaks down in the parking lot. And the guy's like, "Uh, that's okay. I brought like three other cars. They're bringing one to me. Well, I'll just leave it here. And (laughs) the guy (laughs) forgot about it. (laughs) <laughs> like he, fr- he forgot it was there. He's like, oh, somebody will call you. And like two weeks later, we're like, you, you could, where's, what? There's a, there's a like $15 million car. And the guy just was like, oh yeah, I, I totally forgot. Yeah. Wow. Sure. I'll, I'll send somebody for that. No problem. In the wow. meantime, wow. We're sitting, it was like, that blew my mind. As,
1: as, that, as, that's as, an alternate reality.
0: Surely you Ferris uh, Bueller'd that thing took it out for a
4: little <laughs> test drive. <laughs> no so tempting oh believe me there were so many cars there that would like at the end of the night it was like you know <laughs> nobody would really mind a little spin around the block <laughs> <laughs> just put it in reverse but and then, reverse the, the mileage and you're good yeah let's drive it backwards <laughs> over the creek it'll be no problem Like no, it, it uh that, that that was one of the greatest temptations because some of my childhood hero cars would come in and you're like just a little drive and i i did admittedly get to drive some of the cars cuz as the marketing director i would have to we'd have to go do photo shoots for the cars so oh, i got I'm, to get on I'm dying. one of them like he he uh, bruce put a 962 uh, group C you know the imza uh, endurance car from the 80s. He had an extra engine laying around because you have those laying around. <laughs> Twin turbo 962 <laughs> motor. And he stuffs, it, he stuffs it into a 911 Speedster. <laughs> and it, it's, the, it's the craziest looking thing you've ever seen with, with 934 body kit on it, Speedster with these huge tires. And I had to go take it for a spin. He's all, watch out for the boost. I'm like, uh-huh. all just don't go on the boost. So I'm driving it not with the speedometer or the tack. I'm just watching the boost gauge because I don't want to hit the boost because it'll all of a sudden it'll have like 800 horsepower. I'm like, oh crap! And it weighs nothing. Oh my god! I remember just driving that. And of course, you, you're a car guy, so at some point, I'm driving on the road. You know, it's a nobody's around. It's a straight line. Uh-huh. How bad could it be? Uh-huh. How bad could it? 800 horsepower car with a totally short wheelbase B. On that weighs
1: <laughs> what a Frisbee
4: weighs. Right, And on 10-year-old tires. How bad did this be? Oh, it was bad. It was real bad. Um, that line wasn't so straight, was it? No, well, yeah, I collected it. I was like, wow, okay, alright. I figured it. the boost hit, that thing took off like a rocket, it had no traction whatsoever. And I'm like, alright, I'm just going to take my foot out, and I'll be alright. Okay. all right <laughs>
1: After having done uh, all the research for all 72 cars uh, at the Porsche Historic Candidate at Rensport reunion, uh, have you ever considered writing a book about Porsches? I, I have. Um,
4: I actually did start a book on the 959 because I was privy to a lot of, you know, very unique information working around them so much with Bruce. Sure. Um, you know, there's so many books about Porsches and there's so many fantastic writers and historians out there. I, I've got a huge library of them already. It's, it's hard to find that one thing that I, I think that people actually want to know about. Um, mm-hmm. I think the nine, five, nine is very underwritten. So I, I started working on that. It's just that I've got like four, three or four books that I'm working on simultaneously and it's, you know, you only have so much time on your and and space sure. in your brain, but I'd love to have finished that someday. Uh, You know what hasn't been said about Porsche today? That really, there's got to be you got to find that one weird thing that nobody knows. The good thing is that the 959 has so many just fantastic hidden stories behind it, and its import, and the reason it wasn't bought in the U.S. and who did get it in the U.S. and that's the juicy stuff I'm, I'm collecting right now. Um,
1: what on God's green earth possessed you? To start creative film cars, <laughs> vengeance.
4: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all. Good things start with revenge. Um, this, I, so I I worked for this I, who will go unnamed, but this this real jerkwad in New York who had a classic car place there, and he so had a, a film little film car. He would sell. He would rent them out to films and things. And he was, and I'm like, this is easy because the way he did it, he just had his cars and he had a small um, kind of uh, database of people who had cars. So he didn't have any overhead and he would just charge people to bring their cars to a photo shoot or a a film shoot and he'd make money. And I'm like, this is easy enough and I hate you. So (laughs) I'm going to do this. So I left and I took one of his employees with me and uh, we started the company. And it was like, it was, it's such a New York kind of way of doing things. In LA, you got plenty of land and there's lots of film car companies down there. In New York, there's nowhere to keep cars. So it's difficult. There aren't many big film car companies there. Uh, And so we, our first office, I swear to God, was in an abandoned theater on 42nd Street that we, got, we, we took care of the abandoned theater. We got the free office that had like one heater in the corner and it was snowing out and the windows didn't close. And we started it and within like three months, we were in the black and it just took off because okay. we, we, uh, we developed a database. I think at, at its height before I left, we had five or 6,000 cars that we could oh, call huh? private owners wow. and say like, you know, say you had a nice Corvette and this shoot needed a Corvette. We would call you up and say, hey, we're going to come pick up your Corvette. I'll give you $500. bucks. we will detail it. It'll be fully professionally detailed. And at the end of the day, we bring it back. There's 500 bucks in your love compartment. And most folks were like, once they trusted us, we're like, absolutely. Yeah. And then we charged the client like $1,200 or 1500 bucks or whatever. And, and there was our margin for the day.
1: So you got to do lots of cool stuff with that mm-hmm. company. Oh yeah. Yeah. But one of the stories that i that I've heard about this is what's it like to ship a car cross country overnight <laughs> with UPS? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I didn't know UPS did that. I, we didn't know UPS did it either. Um,
4: <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we always got crazy phone calls. And that's one of the reasons I love the business is every single shoot was different it was impossible to get bored um they wanted a car for this or a truck for that or we had to blow up this burn down that or whatever and we get the call we're going to work on uh the premiere of mission impossible uh three and uh they're going to do this whole thing where tom cruise drives from premiere in one part of new york to another in rapid succession within one day. And they want a different vehicle to take him or him to show up on each premiere. one down in the battery and one up in Harlem and, you know, one on the East side and everywhere. So one of the cars he wanted to pull up in originally, uh, they wanted a Bugatti and that had just come out and, We had like, they're like, get one of those Bugattis, whatever those things are. And we're like, oh, sure, we'll get whatever one of those things are. And we found it. We had called Bugatti, and they had three in the U.S. at the time, and we were were about to get it. And three days before the event, they changed their minds. Um, And by they, I mean the Church of Scientology, who pretty much run everything. (laughs) And they're like, Tom doesn't want that. Tom wants a Celine uh, Mustang because he likes those guys, and he has one. So we call up Celine and uh, the president of the company is all like, use mine. I'm like, right. Where is it? He goes, LA and we're in New York. Oh I'm like, my God. So I need to get a car out to New York within two days at that point. Oh. So I told the production, I'm like, this is going to cost you some money. And they're like, we don't care. That's what Tom wants. I'm like, fine. <laughs> so we called, uh, we started calling around and we, you know, we called FedEx. We called, you know, like, because they have all those big uh, international shipping companies have these kind of uh, special divisions where they can do weird, strange requests. And we got a hold of UPS, and the UPS is like, "Oh, yeah, let me uh, let me patch you through." And I'm thinking, "Sure, you're gonna patch me through. It's gonna be click." Thank you. And they patch me through, <laughs> and this this, this this person answers and is like the nicest person on the planet he's like what can i do for you i'm like i need to ship a car from la to new york overnight and they're like absolutely <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay so we gave him the logistics <laughs> you know it had the the usual you have to have like less than a half a tank of gas and the, unplug the battery just simple things we get it to the airport the night before and they they get it to they put it on this enormous pallet and i mean car fits on a pallet. So it's on wheels. They wrap it in plastic. They wrap it in blankets. They wrap it in plastic again. And I'm up all night tracking this because it's the only part of the puzzle. I've got a fire engine. I've got a custom motorcycle. I've got a Maybach. I've got a boat. I got all this stuff lined up. Everything's done except for the stupid Mustang. And I'm up all night and I watch it it flies to St. Louis where it transfers planes at like three in the morning They swap planes? They swap planes. I know. (laughs) So they swap planes and I'm making sure I'm calling them and they're calling me and it's three in the morning. They're like, it's on the plane. It's on the way. So I have to be in Jersey um, at Newark at like 6 a.m. to pick it up. So I get over there and I'm waiting. And it was like, it was one of those really cool things where you think you're into the movie. The plane pulls up, like giant hatch opens and I don't think anybody got any mail that day from UPS because everybody, there were like a hundred people out there all going, Tom Cruise's car is here. It's Tom Cruise's car. And they're standing everywhere and they're taking pictures and they're taking pictures of me. I'm like, what are you doing? And out rolls this thing and they unwrap it and they get it off the pallet. And I fired up and it like it's applause. And uh, <laughs> oh I, like it was what weirdest overnight shipping ever. And 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 believe it or not, I take a wild guess how much it costs to ship a
1: car overnight. Oh, Seven hundred a ton. Eight hundred? Take a wild guess. Uh, uh, north of ten grand? Yeah, it's thirteen grand. <laughs> thirteen grand to ship wow. a car overnight. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, now if I ever need to do that, I know. I
2: no wonder why they're so happy to say, yes, we can help you.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh <my laughs> God. I mean, they literally could name any price and we would have paid it, and we did. So, yeah. yeah well, well, for $13,000, you can have UPS kiss your ass and deliver a car across the country. <laughs> 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 so, I, I, I have a real, real specific story in mind, but you're going to know which story it is when I ask the question. All right. Um, explain to us what it's like trying to make non-car people understand reality <laughs> are you talking about this can be read I'm talking <laughs> about this can be read
4: <laughs> so I did a VinWiki video on this this is another story from the film car era um, we dealt primarily we did a lot of films, but most of the shoots in New York are editorial where you bring one car to a studio and they shoot around it all day with a model and things like that. And um, But none of these people drive. And a lot of them never have licenses. And a lot of them have, like, they, they don't even know how much a gallon of milk is. Like, they, they just live in these weird <laughs> existences where they're carted from one place to another and everybody tells them they're great and they make a million dollars and everybody's happy. And we did a shoot where we had to bring – uh, 356, and uh, they went back and forth and back and forth, and yeah, as usual, and we finally got them nailed down on a black one, and it was a beautiful original car. Um, and we bring <laughs> bring it in after all this hassle, and the studios in New York can be in weird places. This one was in a warehouse on like the third floor, so you had to take it up a, a yeah. elevator, and then down a hallway, and then into a studio, and we get it in there. And I think it was from Maybelline. Can I interrupt for just a second? How the hell you get a a Porsche 356 down a hallway? It was as wide (laughs) as a car. Very careful. There's another story I tell because we did the same studio. We burned a, uh, we burned to the ground a New York city taxi for a shoot for Vogue or something. And then we brought it into that same studio the next day burnt and we had to drag (laughs) it through this hallway Unlike you know, it was just and it smelled like hell. We we did some really crazy things. We bring motorcycles up to lofts in regular elevators, trying to bring a full size motorcycle standing on its rear tire in a regular elevator, and the, the, the tenants are looking at you like you're crazy. I mean, I'm talking like Triumph Rocket Three size things. Like
3: big <laughs> cruisers.
4: Uh, okay, so we moved. Sorry, we moved I, weird sorry things. I That's okay. No, back we did, So back to the Porsche. We bring it in, and the the VP of whatever, is like, oh, hmm, yeah, well, hmm, um, yeah, and she's looking at it, and, we're, and most of the point, I don't deal with the, the end clients, I deal with the producer, whoever put the shoot together, and she's, <laughs> she's like, um, this can be red, and I'm like, okay, she's like, no, 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 this, this can be red, and I'm like, it's black. This is a black car, and she's like, "Yes, mm-hmm, but this can be red." Like somehow by saying this, I, or I have a magic wand, or there's a switch in the dashboard that changes the color of the car, or something. <laughs> like she had no connection about what the hell was going on. I'm like, <laughs> she just kept saying it. She goes, "This can be red," and I'm staring at her, and she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. "Like no," and I'm about to kill her, and the producer steps <laughs> in, and he's like. He's like he's translating for me from human being to you know corporate <laughs> corporate whatever person, and she's like, "Do you mean that you'd like a red car?" And she's all, "Yes," and uh, like I, I've got a three a red three fifty six downstairs, and she's like, mm-hmm, "We need a, we need a red car, right now." Wow, and I'm like, "Any any red car? No, this this car this car can be red." No, uh, yeah, but my- <laughs> I, my brain nearly exploded. It was just one of those moments. You're like, I, I, oh, well, I, I'm going to take this car out of here, and I'm never coming back. Uh, she, it, it's, it's an, it was an epic, epic day. So the, yeah, that was the whole. This can be read. Um, it eventually, beca- that story on VinWiki got so much traction that um, Ed made up a T-shirt that actually says, "This can be read" on it. And it's a black. I want horse that poster. shirt. I want that shirt. <laughs> All right. We'll get, you, we'll get you that shirt. But it was just, that was, that was my daily task. A lot of time was translating car man talk to these people, like how to translate what a car look like or does or what it represents or the emotion it creates to oh, wow. the end client.
1: Yeah. that That's incredible. So for those who don't know, first, what is the 2904? Huh. Second, Where did that idea come from? And third, what is the weirdest thing that happens when you race garage sale cars coast to coast? Oh, boy.
4: (laughs) So the 2904 was a cannonball-type event um, that I ran from 2007 to 2017. And what it was was uh, Alex Roy ran his run in 2000 early in 2007 or i think it was and i thought what a douchebag like (laughs) he's got this like m5 with like weapons grade you know tracking devices he's got planes flying over his head and and he spent like a quarter million dollars on that run that he did oh my and uh i felt like and not that at that point in my life, I was a big cannonball advocate, but I just thought like that was, that was horrible. Like compared to what the, the original cannonball was, because at the same time I read the article about his run, I happened to be reading Brock Yates' book, Cannonball. Cannonball. And I'm like, well, this doesn't add up. And at the same time I was reading those, I was also reading an article on the new 24 Hours of Lemons, <laughs> which I'd started that year. And I, it, my brain somehow in some convoluted moment of bourbon or something, uh, <laughs> put together that, you know, what you should do is create a new cannonball to show that we could go faster or, or close to as fast as Alex Roy did, except for no money whatsoever. So you don't have to be some, you know, uh, trust fund douchebag to blow across the country and have fun. So the 2904's conceit was this, is you drove 2,904 miles from New York to California, but you could only spend (laughs) $2,904 on the car, the fuel, tolls, it's everything. And I threw the challenge out to a few friends and a few people responded and we did it. In 2007, it was a lot of fun. I did it in a Subaru Loyal station wagon, and it was oh, awful, sexy. <laughs> and uh, it was like what? the car was literally floored. I, the, I, I. When I use the word literally, I mean literally floored on the floor for three states because we, <laughs> in the high plains, it wouldn't go over like 67 miles an hour, 70 oh, miles an hour. And the, the little bugger's just like, just dying. <laughs> Uh, so I thought it was done at that point, and then um, Top Gear magazine contacted us, and they wanted to do it in 2008, so we did it again, and then it just kind of gained momentum of its own, um, and we did it another eight times after that or so forth. I've, oh, I've wow. cannonballed, I've can, I hold the record, I think, somebody told me this, that I hold the record for the most competitive cannonball. So I've done 10 competitive cannonballs across the U.S. No No kidding. Um, and all of them with some kind of strange theatrical misgivings. Uh, we did. Uh, I've driven. So I drove. So the, uh, we built a, a fake army staff car one year with no license plates, just a star on the plate. We dressed in military gear. Uh, one year we did it as the A team. I built an A team van for oh. two thousand bucks, and I lost the bet. And I was I was Mister T. I was Honky T. And I got- Shaved my hair, did the whole thing. Uh, we we, I built a transcon Medivac ambulance out of a, a Ford a diesel ambulance. Uh, oh. we, I mean, oh, uh, we had Jaguar XJS was the one that I had I had sourced for Top Gear USA, um, and we ran that one year because that was up until that point the record was held from the original Cannonball yep. Baker was held by uh, Jaguar XJS. So we got one. Of course it had a Chevy V8 in it. Um, and uh, I did it in a, uh, a dustbuster van. We dressed up to look like a star Trek shuttle while we were all in star Trek outfits. I mean, it's just, I, it's always just been a lot
1: of fun. Um, and it's like and every year was a different wacky adventure. You know, can you point to any single thing as being the weirdest thing that happened? Oh, a lot of weird things happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Hmm. I mean,
4: you I, name I think it, quite a bit of I, I think. I think it was more. It was more weird for the people encountering us rather than for us. <laughs> <laughs> like, when we when we did the A team van, um, we we like pulling into a gas station at two in the morning in Iowa, in an A team van, and three guys dressed jump out dressed as the A team, including a white guy as Mister T, and we're, we've got. Two fuel tanks in the back, plus the main tank, so we've got three fuel hoses running simultaneously into this thing. While another guy's checking the torques on the wheels and cleaning the windshield, I, I, whatever that poor sack who was watching us just be like, "You're not going to believe what I saw last night." Like, sure, I was like, so and high. We actually we did get pulled over in that in the in the eighteen van, and this like this I think it was Nebraska, and we were. We, that car, that thing actually moved. We were moving out and, but you know, the A-team van has no windows. It's a black van with no windows on it. This guy pulls us over in the middle of the night, the middle of nowhere, which is exact. That should be the state motto for Nebraska, the middle of nowhere. It's like, <laughs> there's not a city anywhere. So he pulls us over. He's got a flashlight in one hand. He's got his hand on his gun on the other. He sees New York plates in the middle of Nebraska, a black van. He comes up next to us. And he shines the light in the window, and here I am looking at him with the mohawk and the chains and all this stuff. And my friend is—he's dressed as uh, Hannibal, so he's got the you know the khaki vest and the gloves on and the cigar in his mouth. And face man's asleep in the back. And he takes—he looks at us, and he's like—he backs up a couple of feet, hits the side of the van with his flashlight, sees the stripe, and all. He's like—he t- like speechless. Takes the 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 driver's license and the registration. He goes back to his truck, back to his car. Comes back like five minutes later, he's all like, "I can't give a ticket to the A team."
3: (laughs) 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 That (laughs) was (laughs) it.
4: And I'm like, thank you, sir. He's all next twenty eight miles, you just take it easy. I only want to know about it. And, and he just went he, he just left.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. Like that has gotta be another one of those. You won't believe what I saw. Yeah, like
4: yeah, I pulled over the A team <laughs> last night. Like we had we did uh, we did one run in a um, uh, uh the Buick Roadmaster station wagon. It's from the nineties, which had the L T one engine in it yeah, and yeah. it seems like the, it's the perfect cannonball vehicle as far as I was concerned like uh, the trailering package gave you all the 9C1 comp parts, oh. the brakes the transmission cooler, all yeah. that stuff so uh, a trailering special version of the Roadmaster is a monster of a car but we bought it like <laughs> a few days before and we, my friend Pierce who drove with me many times, he's like we should get it detailed, I'm like detailed? Detailed? We're going to get it covered in bugs in a day. Well, we should have got it detailed because we we're blowing across um, Illinois. It was Illinois. And we get pulled over and not by like we, this. Something pulls up behind us, but it's not a cop car, but it's got all the lights in the windshield. Four guys get out, all wearing like tactical gear with big guns and we're like, oh shit! Like now, now, now <laughs> we've really we've broken we've broken whatever the unwritten code is, and they're sending like the sending the, like the SWAT team after us now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guys come up on us, and they they like quite methodically get us all out of the car in different directions. They take us to different parts so we can't talk to each other. And uh, they call in a truck. The truck pulls in right behind, and out comes a dog. Oh my god. And the dog starts dog starts going through the car and uh they're like so what are you guys doing we're like well we're driving to California. So we've got <laughs> so here's here's a, here's a car that we obviously just bought 2 days ago in Long Island with no license plates and a temporary movement tag two guys with New York driver's license one guy with a California license and the dog smells drugs and starts <laughs> going nuts and we're like oh uh-oh. No. And what made it worse was we, our, our third driver, I always like to have three drivers, dropped out right beforehand. So I got a friend of a friend to come with us. And he's a pothead. And I'm like, you didn't bring any drugs with you, did you? You idiot. He's like, no, 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 no. Uh, so the dog sniffing. The dog ate my frickin' pretzels, which I will never forgive them for that whatsoever. <laughs> like, like these finally trained, this finally trained police dogs eating my damn pretzels. Sniffs out something, and the they, the the officer's like, "We know there's something in the car. We can't find it, but you got to tell us what's going on." And we've been we're now we're been outside the car for like forty five minutes.
0: Oh, and oh wow, we're,
4: and we're losing. You know, we're going to lose the run at that point. With that much time off. And they get us back into a group, and they're like, come on, tell us what you're doing, and we'll be cool. And I said, we're doing a cannonball. And the lead guy goes... I told you that's what they were doing. I told you. And the rest of the guys start laughing, and they're like, this is awesome. And they're like, if we just told them up front, it would have been no issue whatsoever. Oh. Right? We were trying to be all secretive. And they all thought, it like, they, they're like, tell us more about how you do this. I'm like, I can't because we're losing right now. We got to get going. And, <laughs> but I promise I'll come back. But like, you know, they, and so it turns out what, who they were, they told us, they were DA agents. And that... Oh. They, that run through Illinois, I guess, apparently is a big meth run. And Was that I eighty? Yeah, I eighty straight okay. through there. Yeah, yeah. So, so From here's, right here. this, <laughs> here's this here's this lowered station wagon with black tinted windows at 110 miles an hour. Right? They're like they're like we're not traffic cops, but if you see a car like that going that fast, we have to pull you over. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So so they got to tell the story of the day they pulled over some cannonballers. They're like Every single, that was one of the, that's one of the fun parts about doing it is every single year, every single run had its own wacky adventure.
1: Yeah. Will you ever do the 2904 again?
4: Hell no. <laughs> 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 I had an ulcer at the end. I mean, running essentially, not that I ever did it. It never actually happened. But uh, if one to ha- would have run uh, an illegal road race for 10 years, uh, you know, it was, it got to be, it was fun at the beginning and it was silly but after you have a kid and a house and you have a lot to lose yeah, and, and it, you know, it's not like I can have people sign a liability waiver because they're not doing anything. <laughs> um, so yeah, eventually it was just too much. And another friend of mine, Ben Wilson created a run called the C2C express. Yep. And he ran that for a couple of years after uh, I shut down the 2904 and he's done now too. Cause it's just, it's just, it's just too much hassle. So we're, we're expanding into
1: other areas instead of cannonballing I'm done with cannonballing. <laughs> and you've you've taken up running on another crap ball race why race in lemons <laughs> which is which is arguably the world's most craptastic racing series it is craptastic um
4: <laughs> so it, I I raced SCCA and, and I and I raced a bunch of stuff and um you know when you race, it's all about how much money you spend, really. How much – how fast do you want to go? How yeah. much money, money do you want to spend? So yeah. – and STCA, you get three 20-minute races in a weekend, you know, if you do well and the car hangs together. It's like – and the amount of money we're putting out didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so when this came along, I'm like, perfect. It, it kind of – it it spoke to my theatrical side and my racing side at the same time because you have to do all kinds of weird stuff to the cars. Uh so we built uh, a Supra, a Mark III Supra, and uh, started racing with a few buddies. And uh, the first year we did it, we were team don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> we, made, we made a stencil of a very stubby cock and balls, and we covered the entire car in the stencil so it looked like camouflage, but it was all cock. <laughs> like cock camouflage over the whole car. <laughs> So that was the first car. Um, did you and it know was, it was going to look like camouflage? Uh, oh, yeah, that was the idea. Oh, you, okay. You lay, okay. You, lay this, you lay the stencil down, you do you do, we do pink stencil, and you lay, you turn the angle, you do a purple, and we do it. And it was just like, just the whole. But, it, but most people were walking about, oh, that's a pretty cool camouflage car. They'd, they'd stare at it, they'd stare at it, and they go, oh, man, <laughs> the car is covered with cocks. <laughs> so, but. It, <laughs> There were we, we 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 transformed that car a bunch of times. We we covered it in in body parts and made it a zombie killer. Like we were driving through dead zombies. We we dressed it up a bunch of times. We never won. What happened was the engine blew up on that because those those stock motors are dreadful. We put in a one JZ motor that we oh, got wow. for for a few hundred bucks, and then the the organization lemons hated it because it was so fast. I mean, at Sonoma, I don't know, like Sonoma Raceway. Uh, you know, race cars are turning, you know, 140s, you know, 130s, real stuff. And uh, this, we could turn a sub two minute lap in this car Ooh. in traffic on street tires. Oh. And they're oh. like, this is too fast. You got to, we hate it. We hate it. We hate it. So they started giving us penalty laps. And one time they gave us the penalty laps and uh, we still came in eighth place. Even with with twelve penalty laps, I think we had we came well, in eighth oh, place. Oh my God. Jeez, yeah, they and uh, they came, we went over. And we're like, ha! We still came in eighth place out of 150 cars or whatever. And they looked at us and they said, "Your car will never win. We don't care if you come in first place. We'll never give you a We, we hate your go. Uh, go away. Go away." So, this is the beauty part of it. It's like I, as a as a car historian, I love all the old racing car stories and all the cheaty stuff that like Penske did and you know uh, all the great NASCAR teams Holman Moody and you know like so I I was like I'm just going to build the cheatiest car I can possibly make using all the things because Lemons doesn't have anything really illegal about the old racing cheats like uh if you want to put movable weight in the car. So if the car turns one way, you can have a jack system. that sends weight, physical weight to the other side of the car, not legal in regular racing, but totally legal in lemons. <laughs> and like, so I went to them, I'm like, what do you what do we have to do to get in your good graces? And they said, oh. all right, you have two choices. You can either put a straight six Ford truck motor in your Supra and race in class C, which is the low, the slowest class and no penalty laps or you can put your driveline, your cheaty driveline in a pre 1975 Toyota because it, because really a pre 70 it's like, that's like putting, you know, 500 horsepower in a a sardine can. It's like, it's impossible. (laughs) So, uh, they didn't think we'd do it. And of course I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to take that option. (laughs) Done. So we, the, 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 uh, the head judge for lemons is judge (laughs) Phil and he's awesome guy. And, uh, his first car he ever owned was a sixty nine Toyota Corona. And so I found a $500 1970 Toyota Corona. Mm-hmm. And he, I didn't tell him about it. So we showed up at the next race, dead stock, one, one family owned on 13 inch wheels with the big 80 series tires, drum brakes, two speed automatic transmission. Geezer oh engine, God. Like it was the, we gutted it. We caged it, and I mean, literally, the spiders from the field were still inside of it, screaming. Like it was <laughs> dead stock. And we put, we got the number one. We put the number one on the side, and on either side, we put, we put, we need the number one say first, and we put Phil's first car down the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> and we show up. We show up the judging, and he doesn't. Like it still got hubcaps on it. We show the judging. And Phil is like like he's never lost for words. He's never won to be like super emotional. And he lost it. Like he oh. absolutely lost it. So we that was our Mia Culpa race. And we drove it dead stock. Like we're <laughs> we're turning like instead of two minute laps, we're turning like three minute twenty laps. <laughs> and this, <laughs> this crappy little car, like we had the expectation, oh we're just gonna go around and blow it up. It would not Die, and <laughs> wow. we did two eight-hour days. Floored for two eight-hour days, just going around <laughs> the racetrack. Oh
0: and my god!
4: As they like to say, like and like the guys like to say, it's like we beat Corvettes and we beat BMWs and we beat like we came in like fifty-eighth place just because it just didn't stop. And we ended up winning the IOE, which is the index of effluency, which is the top prize for lemons, which is doing the most with the worst car. Yes. (laughs) So now we're like, I think, you know, we're in the clear. We've got it in writing from them that we can do whatever we want to the car and we can never get a penalty lap again. So I set to work with my buddies and we tore it apart again. And we took the subframes, the front and rear subframes out of the Supra, built all new underpinnings under the car, uh-huh. the, the Mark three subframes front and rear. I got the, 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 uh, the one J Z in it I actually moved it four inches farther back. We put the radiator in the back seat. I got the, I got the exhaust coming out the back door, like an Audi Trans Am car <laughs> from the eighties. Um, and like it's 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 turned like it's the craziest looking thing you've ever
1: seen. Yeah, but you you skipped over the really really important part. You made the world's most wonderful fender flares out of what? <laughs> out of what? So, so so we out of out of what? I will say let me couch this real quick. So <laughs> they
4: we, we were building this car and we're tr- we were trying to get it to its first race just to shake it down. We knew your first race is always a, sh- a crap show. So we got, we boxed out the front, fl- the front flares by just cutting off the front fenders and adding some steel and pushing them out six inches either side. So the back tires are sitting out like six inches on either side because the Supra is so much wider. And we get to the race and we still hadn't figured out how to cover the rear wheels. And I had brought a box of license plates from my film car (laughs) days. So we made rear fender arches over the rear wheels completely out of license plates. (laughs) plates. Um, And in a world like Lemons,
1: that passes tech. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Probably the best looking fender flares I've ever seen. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) awesome. So Uh, right now
4: we're we're converting it to ethanol right now, and it'll run its next race as soon as the COVID thing's over.
1: Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, Where do you think you're going to be? Do you know uh, where the first race will land? Well, it looks like uh, we were
4: hoping to get to Thunder Hill in May. That's that's not going to happen. So more than likely we'll be at Sonoma back at our home track uh, in December. For arse freeze <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be the plan. And by that time, we'll have added the. I've got I've got a giant wing we're putting on the roof. So that's the next thing is is a massive wing go on the roof. Oh god! And it's going to be active. I, the wing's going to be active. What? So when we hit the brakes, the wing's going to go up and as an brake, so it's gonna be hinged
1: oh my god yeah yeah, yeah.
4: so t- if people if people want to check it out it's we are we have a facebook pra- page and we're the sopranos but that's supra the sopranos oh my with god
1: a. <laughs> yeah i'll be sure to link to it when we do the show post all right tell us about Fakara classics so after I left Bruce,
4: I was like, I'm just going to continue. I mean, I, I loved what I did for Bruce, uh, and I wanted to continue doing that kind of stuff. So I uh, started for car Classics, and what I do is I research and market cars for private individuals, uh, you know, road cars, race cars, and things like that, and we put together full histories for the vehicle. Um, I do a lot of intricate research on them, and then we do like a professional photography session. And they can either sell the car with that, we'll put together a marketing plan, or for a lot of collectors, they just keep these portfolios. I'll go and do like four or five cars, we'll put a portfolio together for each, and I'll verify the story, um, which can go either way. Uh, sometimes I run into these cars, especially ones that were sold at auction, um, that the stories are absolute bullshit. Uh, <laughs> like these guys will have dropped a significant amount of money, and I'll be like, you know, half the story is not true. Ooh. Uh, so the, because auctions are under no responsibility to tell no. the truth. They, they say no. that in their catalog. None of this has to be
1: true. <clears throat> I'm the, an auction analyst for sports car market, and American okay. car collector. Yeah. So yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, that, so, so bad. So, uh, some, so
4: now I also provide the service where before the car, they purchase the car. I'll go investigate it ahead of time to make sure it is the car or the story behind the car is correct. Um, before they they invest that kind of money, yeah, and it's it's been a blast. Tell us about Drive a Go Go. Drive a Go Go. So we were Ben, who ran the C to C Express, and myself and Ed Bolian. We were all talking about like what the next thing is, and uh, I, you know, we all loved to do these crazy drives, but obviously the the, the cannonballs played out as far as I as far as my I, my experience, and uh, we wanted to continue doing car adventures, so what we're putting together are kind of cannonball meets top gear challenge kind of adventures. So the one we put together, which unfortunately, since the Canadian border is closed is old until we can get away with it. But uh, we'll, the next one is we'll have drive a go, go Alaska. And then we'll have drive a go, go Detroit and drive a go, go deep South and drive a go, go. Each one will have a different theme and there'll be like five day driving adventures where uh, you drive a really crap car. And for instance, driver go go Alaska was supposed to start in Reno on June 27th and we'll drive to uh Glacier View Alaska. So 3000 oh. miles away and up the Alcan highway and every night we would have a challenge of some sort where you win or lose, like if you lose the challenge, you have to drive the next day with no doors in your car, or <laughs> you know oh or, or you
2: consequences on these challenges
4: oh, total challenges, or if you, oh. if you, or if you win, you know you, we'll, we're going to bring a mechanic with us, the mechanic will actually fix something on your car or we'll put shag carpeting in it or something like that, we've got all kinds of prizes and uh, and things we're going to do to people if they lose, so Every, it'll, that'll be the day-to-day challenges. We'll have like a rally stage. We'll have a drag race stage. And when we get to Alaska, it'll be, the, it'll be right before the 4th of July. And there's a dirt track up there. We'll wow. dirt track the cars. And at, when they're all done, they'll all be completely destroyed by that point. Uh, for, for the 4th of July, we are going to jump the cars off a cliff. Yes. In Glacier View, Alaska, and, and the whole town shows up. And we're just going to launch the cars off a cliff for the 4th of July and fly home. America. that sounds awesome I'm in yeah. <laughs> so, that
1: sounds beautiful. incredible
4: so that's the you know so if we you know the if that works out which we're hoping it does uh, we'll expand to different areas of the US and perhaps even you know go international with it Um you know, like Detroit, we would drive the cars through some abandoned factories and then shoot them until they explode. Or like <laughs> the Deep South, we'll do like the roads from the Dukes of Hazard and then blow it up with dynamite at the end. But the cars have to be destroyed at the end. like They, they have to meet some horrible doom at the end. <laughs> but maybe if you win, you get to keep your car or something like that. We'll figure that part out. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's Drive-A-Go-Go. And then uh, the other extension of the cannonball that I'm working on um, is the 24,900, which not many people know about. So I'll, I'll tell you guys about it. Um, the the, the 24,900 is is based on the circumference of the earth. It's 24,900 miles. And I want a cannonball around the planet. <laughs> so it, it, in 1908, there was the original great race, which hasn't happened since where they drove from New York city to Paris, France. Sure. And It took took months. Uh, so my proposition is that we, no, but you can't spend more than $24,900 on the vehicle. And we're going to race from New York to Paris, France going West. Oh, wow! And <laughs> we're going to do it in teams and it's going to be a flat out race. Like how fast can you get around the planet in a, you know, Kind of substandard car. <laughs> <or truck. laughs> uh,
1: uh, you had me at hello.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so that's the twenty four nine hundred. We've already started working on that. Uh, obviously, the COVID crisis um, has put a little bit of a wrench in it. We were going to kind of—I was sure. shooting for next year, but it'll probably be twenty yeah. twenty two that we do it. Because I think we can do it in three. I think we can br- we can do it in
1: less than three weeks. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Uh, what is in your collection right now? What do you have at home? <laughs> oh God! Um, what do
4: I have? Uh, I've got two GMC motorhomes. You know the six wheel ones from uh, the Stripes. Yeah. I love those things. <laughs> uh, I've was got one of a... them.
1: The one that was stranded in Tulsa. Yes, that's that's
4: Orange Julius. So Julius <laughs> caught on fire. <laughs> I, I swear to God, Oklahoma is cursed. I mean, you might have some fans in Oklahoma who are listening, but man, as far as driving through that state, I've done nothing but problems. I think there's a witch who's just like <laughs> I, I, I cross, I cross over the border into Texas. Everything starts working, like all the lights turn off and everything. Starts working. But Oklahoma, oh, yeah. So Julius was was stranded in in uh, was a cannonball participant and got stranded in Oklahoma, but I I got him out. He's he's here now. Okay. Um, I've also got a 73 Volkswagen thing with a punched out 2.1 liter fuel injected motor in the back. That's a Um, lot more than that car needs. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's pretty terrifying. Um, Got a six, 1969 Porsche Uh, Mm 911 S I've got a 73 Citroen SM uh, the Maserati engine car I've got uh, what else is outside um, I always oh I've got my my uh, nineteen seventy one GMC ambulance that uh, was <laughs> my, the, was the last vehicle I cannonballed which we did in the C to c last year and uh, that' 71 got,
1: GMC ambulance is that based off a of suburban
4: yeah it's based off the suburban okay and and we, we I bought an o5 Cadillac escalade with with 89,000 miles on it, we tore the driveline out of it uh, one oh. month before the run. So we had 30 days to build it. And we, we put the engine, transmission, radiator into the 71 ambulance. And that thing is awesome now.
1: That might actually move. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> you know, for a 50-year-old truck filled with five guys and a ton of BO, we got across, <laughs> the, we got across the country pretty quick. Like 37 hours or so. Um, do, you,
1: do you still have the uh, 308 GT4? I
4: don't. I sold that uh, a couple years ago before we moved up here to grass Valley. Um,
1: I love that car. That was a great car. I, I, you, you have to give these guys the thumbnail version of how, you know, God loves Ferraris. Oh
4: God. All right. Um, <laughs> so, so I bought this car uh, at auction and uh, <laughs> they thought i was working for canopus so nobody bid against me and i won this car i got it for 16 grand without any counter bids and i brought it home i started working on it and i had a little free car garage and uh we were out one night working on we were we were working, actually we had torn the front end off of the corona we were beginning the transformation into the suprona <laughs> and uh it was january 2017 and that's when a huge storm system was coming through California. There was a lot of mudslides. It was absolutely apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. And um, that morning, I go out with my friend, and he's having some tea. And my wife's like, oh, man, it's, it's horrible out there. And, I, and I, I said something to the effect of, um, this storm doesn't impress me. Oh, which which I might as well just thumb my nose at God, right? So, <laughs> really, I, we go out to work. We go out to work on the car, and um, at some point, the top thirty-five feet of this hundred and something-foot redwood tree snaps off and comes straight through the garage. Oh, and we were leaning over the front of the car, and we turned ten seconds later the tree came right down the center line of the garage. So the the tree just ran right across the front of all the cars and crushes the front of the Corona, um, which was was half cut off anyway. In the middle of the garage was the Ferrari up on, on jack stands and everything goes black. Like it was just boom, like an explosion black. And I kind of had at that point knew that was the only thing that could have happened. And, uh, I called my friend and he's like, I'm okay. He got thrown under the Corona. The roll cage of the Corona had caught a bunch of the roof. Wow. So he was saved by the roll cage of the Corona and I was saved by the workbench behind me. Because uh, all the stuff from the attic of the of the garage came down on top of us too, so it was like this wow. weird scene of like destruction and broken Christmas ornaments everywhere. Like it was just <laughs> bizarre, like you know this broken Santa Claus winking at you through all the rain and then tree pieces. Like just so uh, we start cleaning up and um, we're, we're getting the tree out, we're getting all the junk out, and we're cleaning it out, and I'm thinking, oh my god, the Ferrari's destroyed. Um, and it was under a cover, so it was hard to see what had happened. And it was just just a mess in there. And we get stuff, we start clearing away, and I'm looking at the Ferrari, and the tree is under the front of the Ferrari. And the visual is is as if it had passed right through the front of the car without touching it. Like, (laughs) it was under the front of the Ferrari. And this tree is like, I don't know, it's a foot and a half across at that point, the top part of the tree. And I'm like, how did, what, how the hell did that happen? And <laughs> it, it, like one side of the garage is destroyed. The Corona's all covered. The other side of the garage where well, my wife's Chevy Volt was over there, that's covered in debris and stuff like this. The Ferrari has one little tiny piece of broken drywall on it. Like nothing even fell on it. Like it was just like this, this, this aura had protected it. And, uh, I'm looking at it, and we uncovered it, and there's not a scratch or a dent on the car. The tree is under the front <laughs> of the car. And I'm like, yep, God must be Italian. <laughs> it's like, that was, that was, I was like, wow. And what we had figured out later was the engine had been, hang- was hanging on an engine uh, hoist. And the tree, we think, hit the engine, because you know, it was on the chain, because could swang glanced off the engine and bounced around the front of the Ferrari and then landed underneath it. That's amazing. Good lord. Like yeah. So yeah, God's Italian.
2: So <laughs> <laughs> you never is, say right? any crap about a storm again.
4: Huh?
1: Yeah. Never again. <laughs> oh yeah. And I was like <laughs> Mother Nature's all right. got all my respect. All right, John. Last question. Also my favorite question we have for any of our guests, because you always get the best stories out of this what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? <laughs> uh, you,
4: you know, you sent me
1: this question and, and I, I've done
4: so many dumb things in cars. It's hard to even narrow, to narrow it, down. it down because well, here's the, here's the real problem is that most of it, I don't think was dumb, but I tell <laughs> any other person and they're like, that was stupid. Or my wife's like, you're an idiot. And I'm like. In retrospect, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that was pretty dumb. Oh, okay, sure. Okay, yeah. I mean, if if you count if you count blasting across the country in thousand dollar cars that you don't <laughs> know work, you know, that's pretty dumb. Um, all the stunt driving I've done is pretty dumb. <laughs> um, like, I you know, I, I've I've always been a stickler as much as I can for safety, but (laughs) there's been some cars that have been negligible uh, as far as their, (laughs) their uh, construction. I mean, that's like uh, that asking me that question is like asking somebody their favorite car. It's like, it's a real (laughs) hard thing to narrow down. And it's like, I've done so many wonderfully stupid things, uh, of which I've already told a few of those stories. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it's, it's, uh, you know, I, i pulled, I've pulled cars off of cliffs with, with, you know, that, that should have dragged my truck off of a cliff. I've done that before. Um, I've, you know, I've, i pulled cars from underwater. I've crashed cars into the water. I've uh, yeah, I've I done, I guess, I guess really I should think
1: about that and, and uh, just write a book about all my stupid things. <laughs> I've
4: done in cars.
1: You seem to have figured out how to do it and keep walking away a hole. <laughs>
4: yes. I I've been lucky on, on on many on many counts for that. I, I actually uh knock on wood have never really been horribly injured. Like that, that crazy Ferrari tree incident. I walked away with a bruised toenail. That was wow. it. <laughs> <laughs> Without wow. that jack being there, I would have lost the bottom of my leg. Dang. Wow. Like that that was so I somebody's looking after me, thankfully. <laughs> <It hit> bor-
1: <laughs> it born under a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've been speaking to John Ficarra, owner of Ficarra Classics and Drive-A-Go-Go. You can find all of John's social media links, as well as those for Ficarra Classics and Drive-A-Go-Go on readthedriven.com. John, thank you so much for being with us. I know we didn't get to everything we wanted to get to. We really look forward to having you back if you would be willing. I'd be glad to come back. You guys are awesome. I had a great time. Thank you so very much. And thank you for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at drivenradioshow.com and read the readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt and Catfish Groves. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.